Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Definitely. Definitely, let's go! Let's go first to Los Angeles, but then to Cincinnati, Ohio. Why is that important? It's just, what, is that the Queen City? Or what? That's where I was born, Jewish Hospital. Ma's hometown, Cincinnati, Ohio. My hometown. <clears throat> the same hospital as Steven Spielberg. I assume. Mm-hmm. I oh, just yeah, assume. That's right. we assume. Oh, <laughs> we made that up. Yeah. Well, she just well I assume he was born in Jewish Hospital, although I was and I'm not Jewish, but my doctor was. And dude, I think it's beautiful. There you go. Well, Charlie Babbitt is an importer of high-end cars. He is importing four Lamborghinis that are not passing EPA standards, and Charlie's customers are threatening to end their deals and want their down payments back. On top of this, Charlie's father dies. He is anxious to hear his father's will read and collect his money. Instead, he finds out he has a brother he never knew who inherited the $3 million estate. (gasps) He kidnaps said brother, who (gasps) happens to have autism, in an effort to get half of the estate. What could go wrong? wrong? We are doing 1988's Rain Man. I I kept typing an I into this, so I kept calling it Rain Man. Rain (laughs) Rain Man. (laughs) Aaron, the particulars. Rain Main came out December 16th, 1988. It was directed by Barry Levinson, who also directed Diner, The Natural, Good Morning Vietnam, Bugsy, and Wag the Dog, just to name a few. Nerd alert, he was a writer on The Carol Burnett Show. And that's why it's a nerd alert. And his son, (laughs) Sam Levinson is the creator and showrunner for HBO's Euphoria. You know, when we were, uh, when I was seeing the credits go by, I wrote down, oh my God, I know Barry Le- who Barry Levinson is. But I think I was thinking of Jan Levinson from The Office. Oh. Okay. Who was Michael Scott's girlfriend for a while. Yes. So I don't think I actually know Barry Levinson. <laughs> Well, he's made, he is quite a good filmmaker. He's okay, made, maybe I do. We'll see. Yeah, because he made so many other movies that I didn't put in. Most of the right. time in the particulars, I just put the movies in that um, I've heard about or know about. And I have to end up cutting out a lot of stuff. So he's done a lot, is what I'm trying to say. The writer, Barry Morrow, who also wrote Bill, All You Ever Wished For. And the Karen Carpenter story, (laughs) which we're about to get derailed, people, because I found out this week, this week, that Karen Carpenter, who I knew a little about, she was in a a group with her brother. They were in the 70s. They made um, AM warm feeling 70s ballads, Uh you know. I know that she tragically passed away at way too young of age due to an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. 
I did not know that she was probably one of the greatest drummers of all time. Hmm. Had no idea. Ha- was yeah, flabbergasted. drummer in the 70s. Mm-hmm. She could do everything and she could sing. And I think it's a travesty that in all of the things that they show about Karen Carpenter, they always show her singing and they always show her really skinny, and, you know, mm-hmm. because of what ended up taking her life. But it's like, I think she was a badass drummer. And then she was also a fantastic singer. And then, like, the rest of it. Because mm-hmm. it, it it blew my mind this week. And when I saw that he wrote the Karen Carpenter story, it was just like, are you kidding me? And now I want to see it because if, if it isn't in there, that she's a drummer. Ah, he's part of the problem. Because I blame the man for this. Oh, I do too. I think that they decided in the 70s she couldn't be behind the drums and be the lead vocal. So um, they got her out from behind the drums. That's what I think. I mean, Google it, people. It is incredible. Because she. it's very hard. I dabble in drums. I'm not a singer. But it is, it's not the easiest thing to play drums and sing. And a lot of people who do it... Um, listen to the drum beat they're doing it's still very difficult but then when karen carpenter's singing playing drums she's doing all of this crazy stuff and singing it's nuts just that's my google it just google it it's fantastic um also ronald bass co-wrote it he wrote sleeping with the enemy the joy luck club waiting to exhale my best friend's wedding and how Stella got her groove back, just Ooh. to name a few. Outstanding. Man, what a run. And the story was also by Barry Morrow. The music is by our main man, Hans Zimmer. Did it sound familiar? Because... I do know. I did write down, I know Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Don't remember what movie he did, but it was in the past month. Days of Thunder. Oh, oh. with our friend Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Also did Driving Miss Oh, and he was like kind of wild. Or no, Hans Zimmer went down there and they were like, you can't leave until you finish this or something. There was some kind of story with him and Days of Thunder. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also did Driving Miss Daisy, The Lion King, Gladiator, As Good As It Gets, Inception, Thelma and Louise, A League of Their Own, Crimson Tide, The Dark Knight, and Hidden Figures, just to name a few. This guy did so much. Hans. Hans. The director of photography is John Seal. He's an Australian gentleman. He also did The English Patient, Witness, The Firm, The Talented Mr. Ripley, and Mad Max Fury Road, just to name a few. And the and the um, is it photography? It, the um, cinematography is that different? He's the director of photography, so he's the cinematographer. Because it was it was really good in this film. Mm-hmm. Well, I he, mean, I you can... get to see beautiful downtown Cincinnati, Ohio. Is there anything that you want more? Yes, I want to be in Los Angeles with you. <laughs> well, it's, it's a nice day here, people. But I'm in here with you doing this. So, <laughs> because I wouldn't be outside anyway. Um, the editor is Stu Linder, who also did Grand Prix, The Misfits, Catch-22, Diner, The Natural, and Quiz Show, just to name a few. Starring Dustin Hoffman 
as Raymond Ray Babbitt. He was around 51 when he made this. Uh-huh. He was also in... We've done a lot of Dustin Hoffman because we've done The Graduate. Yes. Midnight Cowboy. Yes. All the President's Men. Oh. Ishtar. Oh my gosh, we have done a lot of Dustin. I mean, he's got a, a whole bunch. I could list them forever, but then this last one... These last few years, like it, this touched me because this put me in a spot to handle this situation. He was an outbreak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I peeped that. Changed my life and how I think about germs. Thank you. Tom Cruise, 26 when he did this. He was Charlie Babbitt. He was in Days of Thunder. Also, Top Gun, The Color of Money, A Few Good Men, The Firm, Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire, and so on and so forth. He's Tom Cruise. Valerie Golino. Oh, I'm sorry. Valeria Golino. She was Susanna. She's an Italian actress and director. She was in Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Du. Ah. Pee-wee, Big Top Pee-wee. Year of the Gun and Leaving Las Vegas, just to name a few. Her, she's been in so many movies. Just has constantly been working. Jerry Molin as Dr. Gerald Bruner. He's he's not so much an actor. He shows up in movies, but he's usually the uh, film producer. He produced Schindler's List, Days of Thunder, and Jurassic Park. And he had cameos in all of those. Who did he play? He was the doctor. Oh, okay. Um, I believe he was the one. Is it, isn't he the one that gets the money? He was named the benefactor. Well, he was the, yeah, the executor it, or whatever. It, his dad didn't leave the money to Raymond. No, he left the money to the to institution. Yeah, so it's basically to him. So this guy, I was like, wow, Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, Days of Thunder, and like so many more. I'm like, and he's still alive? What's he doing? Well, he took a sharp right turn. And uh, let's just say he's produced several right-wing documentaries. Um, And in 2016, remember that was the the second year in a row where there were, it was all white Oscar nominees? Yes. He said, there's no racism except for those who create an issue. That is the worst kind, using such an ugly way of complaining. Oh, boy. So. Okay. He's on the list. uh, His life took a turn. Michael D. Roberts as Vern. He was in 2018's A Star is Born. He was also Rooster and Beretta. The television show. We've seen him in a lot. And Manhunter. Oh, yes. Yes. Bonnie Hunt shows up as Sally Dibbs. This was her debut, yes? I believe so, because she was also in Jerry Maguire, Jumanji, The Green Mile. She also had the Bonnie Hunt show. Nerd Alert. She auditioned for Rain Man on her lunch break. Oh. Which... You know, her occupation at the time was being a nurse. Let me go audition for this while I'm saving lives. Oh, wow. So good, good on you, Bonnie Hunt. We have Beth Grant. She was the mother at the farmhouse. 
She's been in the Mindy Project, Speed, No Country for Old Men, and Donnie Darko. And those are my particulars. Outstanding. Well, when Charlie is in Cincinnati, he finds out, because I already set that up for you. Mm -hmm. So he finds out he has a brother who is on the autism spectrum. Not quite how it was explained to him at the time. We find out that headstrong Charlie took his father's prized 1949 Buick Roadster convertible on a joy ride with some friends uh, when he was a teenager. And his father called the police and said the the car was stolen. Charlie spent two days in jail for that. After that, he left... Cincinnati and never talked to his father again. His father's will gave $3 million to the Walbrook Institution to care for Raymond, Charlie's older brother, that Charlie knew nothing about. Who Charlie knew nothing about. Charlie believes he is owed half of that estate, $1.5 million, and thinks kidnapping his brother and holding him for ransom is the way to go. Charlie's girlfriend, Susanna, is along for the ride until she sees that Charlie is not giving Raymond the support he needs. And that is setting the table. Oh, nice. I'm looking up what $3 million is. Oh, what $3 million oh. is a day. Oh, it's about $6.7 million. Already? That much more? Yeah, that's inflation. Yeah, double. Yeah, but like this wasn't that long ago. No, 88. Well, it was. I mean, I guess that is. 30 30. years ago. Yeah, Yeah, but okay. If you're looking. But yeah, if you're looking at inflation charts, it is kind of. Like, I don't know a whole, I ain't that smart and know a whole lot about that, but it just seems like the inflation is. Okay, so we have our POC count. We have Vern. Did we have others? I had a black man dock worker, and then there were two black women and one black male at Walbrook, the facility. Okay. So I have five, but then I have an asterisk because this movie had a ton of extras in it. So I wasn't going around finding all the extras. But um, yeah, not a a great showing on the old index. No. Um, Okay. Not going to go down that rabbit hole. And the uh, cast, our... Our moment of cast. Power of cast, yes. Power of cast. definitely have that. So just right off the bat, the differently abled people is in their own cast. Um, But the part of the movie that I was struck by, particularly with power of the cast, was the scene where they're on the interstate and there's a car accident. So there's the flashing lights and... Raymond gets out of the car and you know, there's the police and it's like, yeah, the car. And it just made me think I thought of, um, 23 year old Elijah McLean. He was a black American massage therapist from Aurora, Colorado, and he was killed by the police. And it's, it made me think of it because he, um, well, he was homeschooled 
and he was intellectually gifted, but his mother said fiercely independent. So I don't want to say that he was on the autism spectrum, but he was um, definitely somebody that, you know, would walk to the beat of their own drum and, and probably was because it is a spectrum. So there's all these different exactly. things. But he, you know, where Raymond wasn't able to communicate to people, you know, Elijah definitely could. Um, he taught himself how to play violin and guitar and the guitar. And on his lunch breaks, would go to the animal shelter. Oh my, I knew I was going to get choked up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And he played music for the animals at the shelter. So we're talking a kind heart. He was like, yep. Um, all right. On August 24th, 2019, he was wearing a ski mask. Cause I like his mom said he felt comfortable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was, they said flailing his arms, yes. but it turns out he was dancing. So he's just walking down the street. It's August, and the person who called the cops said, I don't think he's harming anybody. I just, like, basically, the person who saw the cops saw somebody who was black in a ski mask and called it in because they didn't know what to do. Right. But they said he doesn't appear to be harming anybody. Um, so when the cops showed up, um, they didn't have a legal reason to stop him, nor restrain him, nor frisk him. He was five foot six, 140 pounds. Three cops ended up on top of him. For absolutely no reason. Nothing. Well, they probably said stop, put your hands in the air, and he's not going to follow those directions because... Because he's not doing it. Also, he's not doing anything. Right. And his, like, you can read it, you can Google up what his last words are, but he's saying, I'm an introvert, I'm just different, that's yes. all, I'm so sorry, I have no gun. He was able to verbalize that, mm -hmm. and Raymond couldn't even verbalize that. Right. So... Right off the bat, if you're a like young black kid or person of color who's autistic and you can't verbalize it, yes, that adds a whole nother level to scary because he was able to communicate and still got caught up mm -hmm. and is dead. Like wasn't yes. put in an institution like Raymond was because they thought he was hurting his brother. So right, right. The power of cast. Okay, we're going to go to Nerd Alerts. Uh, all right. 1988. It was a leap year. Um, the Soviet Union was involved in a war in Afghanistan, which started in December 1979 and mm -hmm. ended February 1989. So the Soviet Union was involved in a nine-year war in Afghanistan. Hmm. hmm. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> uh, the Phantom of the Opera opens on Broadway. That was the and first I, show I saw on Broadway. Oh, was it? I took Aaron to see it. I yeah, like the it. Kennedy Center. Um, because they sing about Christine. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Awesome. Um, 
so it's interesting because you know the Soviet Union it also collapsed in 1988. So here's the question. Did the Mujahideen win the Cold War and did they defeat communism and capitalism? <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. And look where we are today. <laughs> Who you got next is what they're saying. Um, Gallaudet University, which is a university for the deaf and hard of hearing, which came into being in 1864. In 1988, they accepted their first he- uh, deaf president. And his name yes. was Dr. Irving King Jordan. But it goes by I King Jordan, which I think is a great flex by Irving to just go, Dr. I King, I King. Jordan. I remember that was, that was big news. It was because they started it. And it was all that came about because a deaf president now campaign because the students and and the faculty Mm -hmm. were like, excuse me. Exactly. And it was a big turning moment in deaf and hard of hearing uh, civil rights. Correct. James Hansen, a NASA scientist, testified to the U.S. Senate that man-made global warming has begun. In 1988. But it's it's still not real though. But it's it's yeah. fake. It's fake, guys. I thought that was interesting because Charlie. The reason that Charlie can't get his cars is because the EPA is like, no man, emissions, emissions, and it's like, just wait, Charlie. Don't worry, y'all. Well, we had y'all trouble. Your shiny suits will will be denying all of this, and it'll be fine. We had a uh, trouble getting the the Alpha back in '82. Uh, Poppy had to have some stuff done to it to meet the EPA emissions mm-hmm. and when i was getting my uh other car remember the corolla i was like yo is this gonna pass emissions in california yeah. I, that's where i'm going um so yeah okay the, the top five movies of 1988 number five was twins Number four was Crocodile Dundee 2. Oh, wow. Crocodile Dundee was the first. Maybe the it was. second one. But when was the first one released? Uh, I'm just counting on you to know this. I don't know. Crocodile Dundee was the first movie I saw in the theater. Oh, wow. Wow, when you remember. Well, no. But. <laughs> So I'm told. I don't have any memories before I was like 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not Aaron. I wouldn't remember it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Picture it. 1987. I'm two months old. That's funny. Okay. So it came out. Move, move Google. 1986. Well, then I guess it was Crocodile Dundee too. Yeah. Even better. Not- Man, you were you were looking out of the womb at that movie. <laughs> Must have been the second one. I was there for that movie. Huh, oh, the excellent. Your parents movie. were like, we must see Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah, my mom was like, I've got to get out of the house and see Crocodile Dundee too. <laughs> it's such a read of film. Oh. <laughs> the number three movie, Coming to America. Oh, number one. No, my, no, no, no. Number three. No, I don't mean, I mean the first. Oh, the first one, yeah. America. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> he said number three movie. Oh, number one. 
And that's how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> and it's early, people. <laughs> it's early in the podcast. I had one of those weeks. Uh, number two, who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, I remember that. And the number one movie in 1988, Rain Man. Oh, they thought it was going to be a flop. I'm going to say something now. Should I say it now? Yeah, you may. Speak your truth. I didn't like it. Oh. Unpopular okay. opinion. I didn't like it. No, movie. it's okay. Yeah, That's- I'm not, I don't ride for this movie, but go ahead. I just didn't like it. I don't like Tom Cruise, I'm realizing. I hate Tom Cruise. And this was a perfect role for And him. there was a podcast that I listened to. Shit. Why didn't I write it down? I'll find it. There's a podcast that I listened to, and they had, um, they were saying that the, one of the, uh, I don't know if it was like something you look up online. It had some, they did like a screen testing for the audience. And mm-hmm. the comments was, I wish the little man would just, calm down or something and they were like were they talking about Rain Man or Tom Cruise like right. Tom Cruise he was just like I don't know I just didn't like him I just didn't like the movie I can't believe it was number one it was number one well because Tom Cruise had done uh, Top Gun yeah like, he was a huge Tom- star and also yeah. Dustin Hoffman was a huge star and I think that movie poster that they had made a big difference yeah. and also when it was released it was released right before christmas time yeah so just- and i guess we can we'll get into it but i appreciate that it you know i'm glad that it, it's i think it's important that it was made and at the mm-hmm. time like it it was the first movie and still like i think the most popular movie depicting people with autism but it's only one depiction yes yeah, yeah. a lot more on that <laughs> oh yes yeah, i figured so for the Oscars of 1988, the Best Picture nominees were Working Girl, which we have to do because I've never, I've never seen I it. I, we have yeah, to do that. I don't remember oh. seeing it either. Oh, I um, loved Working Girl. I know the Carly Simon like song. I can't because uh-huh. it comes Let to me right now. Let the river yeah. flow. Uh-huh. Mississippi Burning. Mm. Dangerous Liaisons. Oh. Malkovich. The Accidental Tourist. And the winner was Rain Man. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. Won the Oscar. Also, Dustin Hoffman won the Oscar for Best Actor. Barry Levinson won the uh, Best Director. And the Screenplay won Best Original Screenplay. It was also nominated for Best Original Score, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, and Best Film Editing. So, and I think it had the most nominations. I think it ended up having the most wins. I feel like it was a a perfect Academy movie because it pulls at your heartstrings and it makes you look at people who are different in a in a different light. And so it was like, how could you not vote for it? It was very much like, yeah, like re, uh, Green Book. Yeah. You know, where there's people who... They love it, and then there's people, or they, it just made people feel good about themselves. I think the Academy does kind of mm-hmm. gravitates towards those kind of movies when when you're watching it, you're just like, oh, and then 
if you think back on it. And this isn't to say if if you love this movie and ride for Rain Man that there. I mean, I'm I'm complete. I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. But that's fine. Also, everybody's right. entitled to their opinion. Exactly. So those were uh, my nerd alerts. Does anybody else have any? I did not. I have a lot of tasty nugget type things. Okay. Teeny? So, uh, yeah. I guess this would be a nerd alert. It Whatever can you be. want. Yeah. Um, I did. Well, yeah. I have a nerd alert about counting cards. Oh, yes. Because I did oh, really I enjoy the Vegas you, scene. I thought you I would did enjoy really the enjoy the Vegas scene. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I was wa- also at the side note, there's a new movie coming on Netflix about a zombie apocalypse in Las Vegas. Yes, it's it looks Snyder. Really it's, good. Isn't it Zack Snyder? Army of something. Army of something. I'm trying yeah. to wait until Adam comes back to watch it. Um, I, okay, but the whole time I was watching that scene, all I could think was, why is it illegal to count cards? Because you're just using know. your brain. Right. You're losing your, you're, you're use, not losing your brain. You're using your brain. So like jokes on you. I figured out the game. It's a strategy. Exactly. Exactly. So it turns out it's not illegal to count oh. cards and it's perfectly legal in Las Vegas. However, casinos have rights to ban you. So you're not going to get oh. in trouble or like, the law per se isn't going to come after you. Um, but different states have different ways they can prevent it. So in Las Vegas, state law allows players who have been caught counting cards to be prohibited from visiting the casino for some time. But in Atlantic City and New Jersey, the law prohibits casinos from banning players. So everything's you, legal in New Jersey. Yeah, everything's <laughs> legal in New Jersey. Uh, but they do other things. So they had to come up with different ways to prevent people from getting away with it. So they'll like add extra an extra deck to the game um, or use machines that constantly mix the deck. Um, and so I was reading that if you count cards, you the people they usually sit at tables with a lot of people, so you can see more cards showing up because then you have more in your head to like be able to count and know what's coming next. Mm. Um, but I read an article on NPR, and they talked to his name is Bill Zender, and he's the former casino manager at the Aladdin hotel and casino in Las Vegas, which is no more. Right. But he said that there are only about 100 people in the world who could actually count cards well enough to hurt a casino. Mm -hmm. So like, you gotta be really good. I mean, and there was that whole movie called 21 about Mm -hmm. the people at MIT, I think where they went and got away with like $500,000. Yes. It might be a true story. I don't know if it is. Yeah, it it is. Oh, okay. Because one of the podcasts I listened to, Tony Kornheiser, he, oh, the guy, I know the guy's name, the guy that it was based on. He has his own gambling podcast and stuff like that, and some, and he'll come out in the football season and give like oh. the predictions. Oh mm-hmm. wow! Um, so yeah, I'm gonna learn how to count cards. I couldn't I'm, count I'm cards on a single deck. I mean, no, I probably couldn't either. Yeah, and if you if you have that ability, then shame on you, Vegas. But I, mean, I do think I have enough of an ability that I could be able to get a 
I should be able to get by. I should be able to win more than $20. Yes. But we'll see. Because you kind of have a, a, what is that called, Erin? A, a um, photographic, photographic memory. memory. Yeah, that's why I think. And I memorize things like that very well. Dang. Oh, my gosh. You might be a savant. We might have a savant in the family. But I'm terrible like at tests and things like that. I can't remember yeah. that shit. Right. That's um, understandable. Maybe I'm the rain woman. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, uh, the other, okay, so then the other, I don't, I guess this is a nerd alert. So I started, I wanted to try to listen to, I don't know, there's a, I'm sorry, Tommy went on a walk and he isn't quite recovered. Bless you. <laughs> it's, hot, it's hot out there. He's got some in his throat. Um, we all do. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted, there's like a lot of information about autism mm-hmm. out there. Um, so I didn't know where to go, but I found a podcast. Well, I found this guy, his name's Daniel Jones, and he's a video creator in the United Kingdom and he's an autistic video creator, YouTuber and author, and he creates autism videos weekly. And he has a podcast called the Aspie world, I believe. Um, and he, they're like, he puts up little, like, I don't know, 10 to 20 minute episodes weekly, it seems. And he just, just like, is talking about like a different subject with like ass autistic with autism uh-huh. every week. Um, and I think his goal is like to, you know, for other people out there who are like kind of and in, in his the same boat as him to have somebody to look to. And so he also he has a, like a good Instagram too. Um but I listened to one of his episodes then it was the five most notable um ASD autistic syndrome uh-huh. or spectrum disorder. I think autistic spectrum disorder. disorder. Maybe. Is that what their the new nomenclature is? I I saw spectrum disorder somewhere so that's just yes. why I said it. Yes. Um, and so he said, so according to him, the five most notable, notable symptoms you should know about autism are troublemaking eye contact. Yes. Um, and he had a really good tip though. Cause he was like, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, like me and you have trouble making eye contact, what I do is just look at the person's cheek because then they think you're looking at their exactly. eyes and, and or their uh, hairline or the yeah. bridge of their nose. Yeah. Yeah. Um but it is like really weird that we have this obsession with like looking people in the eye. Right. I'll just say it right now. Uh repetitive behavior. Uh-huh. Um literal thinking. Very literal. They would not get the Amelia Bedelia books <laughs> at all. Yeah. I didn't get the Amelia Bedelia books. <laughs> well, we've always known oh you're somewhere on the spectrum. <laughs> um, tro- can I have trouble socializing and then an obsessive interest? Yeah. Um, like he said that his obses- obsessive interest is conspiracy theories and aliens. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. yeah. How can you not get I know. into that? And then he had another post, which I didn't do more. I should have done more digging before I said this out loud. But um, then he had another post about the top five noticeable symptoms of Asperger's. 
kind of think his post was saying that if you're trying to figure out where you are on the spectrum, like this is some of the top five things I've noticed about Asperger's was um, a love of routine. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, obsessive interests also. Bad eye contact. Um, issues following instruction. And with social communication. Yes. Um, so that was the top five for Asperger's. But I recommend listening to some of his um, podcasts. They're only like nine to 15 minutes. They're really informative. Um, and then I, though I was listening to one because he was talking about having meltdowns. And um, he was like, does everyone have meltdowns? He's like, I can't speak for everyone, but everyone that I know does. And he was doing like tips for if you're having a meltdown, like, you know, making sure you're scheduling a rest in between when you're like not going too hard and being like, I'm going to do this because I'm going to prove it. Um, but I also, the one, so at the beginning of that episode, I didn't get to finish it yet. He had, a, uh, he was taking reader questions and one of the things somebody wrote in and what it was like, what's the most annoying assumption people have about you? And he said the number one thing that he gets is people saying, but you don't look autistic as if there's supposed to be a certain look or oh, something. Right. Um, and that, I think this movie kind of plays into that. Yes. And that's know? what, um, uh, the, I found the other podcast that I listened to is called why, why are dads? Uh, and they had a guest on there, a journalist, Eric Michael Garcia, who wrote a book called We Are Not Broken, Changing the Conversation About Autism. Have you read that? I have not. Oh, I saw you. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> nodding. <laughs> uh, so he was really interesting. And I think that's, I think this is where my view of the movie came from, probably, because I listened to this podcast when I had only seen about 20 minutes of the movie. Right. And listening to someone on the spectrum talk about the movie the way that he did was interesting because he was like the movie just paints a picture of like you're autistic you can't do anything on your own like uh -huh. you're gonna be in an institution like he was like also the number one thing I wish people would like people think is that if I'm autistic I'm gonna have a superpower like I can count cards mm -hmm. or um and he was he brought up Bob's Burgers and in the first episode in the pilot they like make a joke on the whole toothpick thing that happens in Rain Man when they spill the toothpicks and he was like 196 and she was like actually he's like no it's 200 you're wrong and the waitress is like actually there's four missing and apparently in the pilot of Bob's Burgers they did a spoof on that and Tina gets it wrong and they were like god Tina you're the worst autistic person ever and he was like I just wish people like would stop thinking you're going to have a superpower just because right. you're autistic. Like it's not, that's not the case. Right. It's so many, it's almost like, um, it, it just, it contains multitudes. It isn't a thing where everybody who has autism is at this part, you know, right. like Rain Man had right. a, a specific part of um, sorry, <laughs> the power flickered here. Oh, I thought you had another death hornet. Um, the, where it just 
you know, there it's different strokes for different folks, and it's kind of just. But the the thing is, and that's what like what we talk about a lot on this podcast with the POC count and stuff is that a lot of people see movies, and this is their entryway. So because it autism, which has been around since forever, this is the first time that it's really in a movie saying like, oh, this guy has autism. Then he becomes the poster child for a group of people who are so Mm -hmm. diverse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can go into my uh, autism rant at this point because it is a nerd alert, I guess. Mm -hmm. Christine, are you finished? I don't want to step on No, I'm finished. Um, What I love about that podcast is it's, it's not just for people on the spectrum. People who consider themselves normal because nobody is need to listen to because we are dealing with people with on the spectrum and we need to know this is this is where this is what the earth they inhabit and we need to all get along we need to live together so you know a kid in the supermarket throwing a tantrum and and you know it don't walk by and go you need to start spanking that kid and you know uh, instead of being judgy, uh, educate yourself on what's going on with this kid, you know? I just saw, there's just a story going around of, I think it was on a beach in California where there was an autistic child who was having like a meltdown and this stranger just like laid down on the floor with him and calmed him down. Exactly. I think like there was another podcast that I listened to and it was a girl who she... Um, had just recently been diagnosed. So I think it's like one of his things on Daniel's podcast that he is helping people who maybe are just trying to navigate these things that they're going through. And it's like, maybe you, maybe you fall somewhere. Like maybe this is, you share some of these things that like this could help you out too. Like it's could be a much broader thing than I think people realize. And it's just been labeled as something negative for so long that. Well, also it's, it's very expensive to get a diagnosis. And I think that because, oh, Chris Rock was talking about how he just now in his life, however old he is, um, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not super old, but he's also not a young man got diagnosed with not autism, but within a spectrum on the spectrum uh, on a spectrum of, Hey, this is, and it was eye opening for him because then he was like, Oh, I'm the way it's, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the way that your mind, your brain processes information and learning how your own brain processes the information. Cause all like our brains are so incredible. And to think that every brain is exactly the same with the the way that the wires get formed and all of that. And that has to do with how you process information. I mean, we were talking about like Karen Carpenter earlier and she had an eating disorder, which when she and I don't know if she specifically had it, but it is a thing like the body dysmorphia where your eyes are looking at your image in a mirror and the image that is coming back to you is not real like there's a processing thing so it's almost like eating disorders could that be on the body dysmorphia that's probably on a spectrum 
because mm-hmm. it, it, I would think it has the same kind of thing to do with the way that your body perceives things. And I think as more and more research goes into it, more and more people are going to find out like, oh, I, oh, yeah. I'm not Rain Man, but like I have like, just in this time of the quarantine, I have like started reading aloud because I found like, oh, when I read aloud, I retain the information and I'm also reading slow. And even when I read aloud, I will say a word that isn't even there Mm -hmm. and I catch it and go back. And I'm like, how did my mind Mm -hmm. say that? But because I'm being slow and I'm not trying to be fancy and fast for people to show how fast I am and good at reading. Like I'm trying to understand it and I'm taking my time there. I think that people, um, will equate and think that they're, oh my gosh, there's so much autism going on now. And I just think, I think maybe we're paying more attention and starting to realize the intricacies and how the little differences of everybody and being patient. And also, like you were saying, when, when a kid's having a meltdown, like we don't know what autism doesn't have like a look to it. So to assume that like, you just don't know what's going on with people. Like, because autism, it, it, to go through it and get a proper diagnosis, it takes money and resources yeah. that a lot of people don't have off the bat. Right. There isn't a medical test. You can't take blood and find out that you have autism. Yeah, you have to keep going to all these specialists. Several evaluations. And yeah. how many people, and the way that the healthcare is in this country, how many people have the means, the, the ability to take off time from work, to take your kid to all of these things, to like figure all of this stuff out. And it's it's human behavior, so it isn't going to be a simple, nice, like, all right, well, you've been slotted in and you fit into this exactly. box. Exactly, exactly. So there are, um, in 1987, an autistic savant was changed in 1887. It was, it was called savant syndrome, which later became idiot savant because a Mm -hmm. savant has these gifts, but then because they can't function as we consider normal behavior in um, situations, they're idiots, but they're savants. Well, I so that we savant did- syndrome and the definition is a rare condition in which someone with significant mental disabilities demonstrates certain abilities far in excess of average, which is like, and that's this, very wide. And this is where I have a problem. Um, the um, people with mental, what, what was the beginning of it? They called it uh, mental, significant mental disabilities. Who says it's mental disabilities? The only way you can gauge a person's IQ is through a test. And the test isn't measuring a person's IQ, it's measuring their ability to pass that test. Yes. Mm -hmm. So autistic people are functioning on a different plane. They, uh, um, Visual, uh, like light. I couldn't believe that um, Rain Man could go in that casino with, with all the, the lights, lights and noises and the, and the people and still function mm-hmm. with with the kind of syndrome he was presenting with to me. But but I have a problem with IQ tests anyway. I mean, it's it's yeah. measuring how well you take a test, not what your mental abilities are. Well, I always. 
Yeah, all of this goes into the thing with caste because it's, well, who's making the rules? Exactly, exactly. And so I've always had trouble with that and saying that, you know, yeah, mentally they're deficient, but they have these other spikes in weirdness. Well, we don't, they could be, I have always felt like the autistic kids I worked with were way high functioning. We just didn't have a measure a way to measure how high functioning they are because they're off the charts. Well, yeah. And they would say something that is, is not, well, I'm just saying like sometimes people will say something that is super blunt and there's, it's, you know, like people who are, uh, they're like, Oh, why they, they the, the social aspect of it, of like exactly. saying what they mean. And it's just like, well, they're just saying it and it's your, <laughs> maybe we're the dysfunctional ones because we're exactly. the ones all up in our emotions and feelings and yeah. they seem to be fine. Right. So there are, today there are three levels in the autism spectrum. There's the high functioning, which used to be called Asperger's. And they say they have a normal to high IQ. I've already told you about my issue with IQ. Um, and they need minimal support. I mean, like I can't get on a plane. Okay. Then we're not going to get on the plane. You know, we're not going to force that on you because that's going to become an issue for everybody. But they can, they can <laughs> say it like they can express, they can like, verbalize not, I don't it. Wanna, yeah, verbalize it. I don't want to go on the plane or they can not maybe express it, but throw a tantrum to let you know there's a problem here. Mm -hmm. back, when I was listening to, um, Eric, Eric Michael Garcia was like, he was like, I mean, I get it that this was made before we knew a lot mm -hmm. about autistic people. He was like, but autistic people, we love trains. All he had to do was put us, put it's him on true. a train and we could that get him true. there. That is true. And when I was reading, um, there were kids who could draw maps of, of the whole world and label countries, even in Africa, I had a little kid who could do that all the time. He'd draw a map of the world and label all of the countries and their capitals. But he couldn't, I couldn't label all of our states. He couldn't read, you know, uh, a beginning reading book because that's not where his brain was wired at that moment. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that he mm -hmm. has deficiency in his intellect. Okay, the second... Um, one is broad autism phenotype, um, uh, slight language and personality traits. And the third one is severe autism, which requires day-to-day -day help. And it, it requires day-to-day -day help to get through the world as we see it. Mm -hmm. and, and I have dealt with all of those, but um, there's still so much to learn about it because the brain is massive and our intellect isn't there to figure it all out yet. Yeah, because our inner, like the people who are studying it, the brain, um, are just looking at it from, it's like how everything is all interconnected because if you're like, oh, okay, I'm a, a brainiac person and I'm studying the brain, then I'm function putting everything towards the way that I, my perception. And 
part of like the whole broader thing is like having empathy and looking through other people's eyes and the things that you think it's because of like your background and how you were raised and what you were taught and how your brain is wired but everybody's brains are wired differently exactly exactly i had a a child who was diagnosed as on the autism spectrum and his father came in for a conference and his father was also, he will tell you, on the autism spectrum. And he worked with George Mason University and he was helping them say, we, we got autistic kids coming and the professors, the way we teach them, we got to get ready for them because we need to be able to educate them where they're coming from. But then, and then, but then you have the people who the the whole world has been catered to them. Oh yeah. Then it's like, what now? What I? Why can't they be like me? And it's kind of like they have been and they've been miserable. Why does the world need to be like you? Exactly, (laughs) Donald Trump. That's where the it gets into. Okay. Okay. So those are my nerd alerts about autism. So now we are to nerd alerts. We're going to start with our negatives. Or your reheatables. I did mean our our negative reheatables. I'm sorry. My number one negative reheatable is Charlie. He's an asshole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But his father evidently was an asshole as well. Yeah. So he comes from a family of assholeness. Comes by it honestly. The word idiot. And I I wrote about, I I already mentioned the noise, the lights, and the people in the casino. I felt would be too stimulating for Raymond, but maybe um, where he is on the spectrum, that is not an issue for him. But evidently, it was an issue for him in the the scene where he, you know, the police scene where he had to get off the car and off the, although his thing with the interstate was the crashes. So maybe it wasn't the lights, it was the... But the noise of the fire alarm. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. So that was inconsistent. Picking and choosing. Exactly. Okay, others? Um, I put uh, in the beginning when Tom Cruise was clapping at the receptionist. Which ended up yeah. being his girlfriend, I guess. I don't know. Yes. He was just yeah. terrible. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. he was. He's just such a dick. The fact that Tom Cruise should have had some sort of... Okay, I get you don't know what autism is. That's fine. But just, like, the way that he would... Tre- this is how you would treat any human being, like, re- exactly. regardless. Exactly. Like, you can't take any context clues. Right. The girlfriend tells him, you use everybody. You're mm-hmm. using me, you're yeah. using your brother. Um, well, I already said how can counting cards be illegal, that I learned it's not. Um, and then my other negative was just the consistency of the movie as far as like, okay, like kind of like you were just saying, like, he, okay, he can't verbalize and he can't talk to people, but he's picking up this girl. Like now when it comes on to like the sex worker, he's like completely able to talk to her and like, right. Mm-hmm. That, that he doesn't like loud noises, but then he's able to go into the casino and I don't know. I just felt like it was not very consistent in some of the things, just some of the plot. Also, why the fuck 
do we care about this Italian car business that is never mentioned again? Like it just right. seems like such a stupid it's part the of MacGuffin. the movie. Yeah, it's the it's the he needs money because he owes money. Mm. He took the money for these people. That's like, right. That's why he needed eighty six thousand dollars. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's why we love you. <laughs> and then. Oh, what was my, oh, it's like he only had, what was his girlfriend's name? Susanna. Yeah. Like she was like his translator, basically. Like he only, he was using her too, to Mm -hmm. be able to speak to like these Italian, like about, about the Italian cars. Mm -hmm. He didn't care about her. No. Yeah. Not at all. Um, yeah. Those are my negatives in a nutshell. When they're riding in the car, Susanna and Tom Cruise, and she's talking about him not talking to her. I have it in quotables. Oh, my God. That is, I mean, how many times have I had that conversation with your puppy? Okay, so just tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what's on your mind right now. Can we just have a conversation? Well, I'm going through some stuff. I'm trying to figure it out in my brain. Verbal lies. Well, uh, then one of the that podcast that one of the ones I was listening to was like, were they trying to say because there is, um, I can't remember what word it was that Tom Cruise says a couple like he keeps repeating rose bushes when they're like you've got the rose bushes and he's like I got the rose bushes at least I got the rose bushes I've got the rose bushes and then when he couldn't verbalize his thoughts I'm like were were they were like were they trying to say that he might have also be autistic or are they trying to say that like some of these qualities aren't that crazy that you exactly. know like that's exactly what they were saying mm-hmm. you can you can repeat you can get so a I, know, I mean I guess that's not in my negatives yeah i'm mm-hmm. just yeah right. i did read that somewhere have a portion in this yeah i read somewhere that that was on purpose that they okay. put in the rose bushes over and over again because um then his brother gets stuck on a word and 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 sometimes kids who are diagnosed diagnosed with autism will get stuck on a word or a phrase or a certain commercial <laughs> where they just this one little girl in my class i mean that this i don't remember what the commercial was but she would do it and we will be right back and she just mm-hmm. over and over and over again I get that. I get the thing stuck in my head, like for a week. Like they'll just be th- like, I just keep repeating in my head over and over again for the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One time, her brother was reading to the class, <laughs> and oh, man, it was triplets. All three of them were like th- the three different levels of of autism, and he was reading to the class a book, and she was behind him, going up one side over his head and down the other side repeating this commercial and he was he was able to block her out and continue to but that was her interacting with him as he's interacting with the class you know mm-hmm. it's just being able to let go of what you think should be happening let that go and cuz the kids think- were like fine with it well, animals communicate. They're not speaking English, but they're right. communicating in ways that we have yeah. no idea. 
Right. Yeah, did you know that meerkats talk about humans? <laughs> what? I'm not even that lying. Person, that, that meerkats is... talk about humans. That's they awesome. have a whole language. There's, I um, they're skating and savage. A bit. Yeah. Did you see what she had? Yeah. On? And they did no, they can the they have what? they can talk about like what color people are wearing and oh my gosh. Um, Jonathan Van Ness had a an animal some animal behavior i don't know he had somebody on his podcast i think last week or the week before and she talked all about how animals communicate mm-hmm. oh the shade i love it my negative reheatables pleated pants man i loved her pink pants i oh loved i loved her outfit yeah i was talking about her i was talking about him like pleats oh yeah, in the, yeah. like in khakis and stuff yeah and, and yeah. everybody has them and i'm sure it's if it's not already back in style it's gonna be back in style but because why? it's comfortable you can sit down and and there are no seams oh you get the extra space yeah wow. oh i love those pants i had a All pair right. of jeans like that and my mother said to me we were in germany after you were born and i had a pair of jeans that were just like those pink pants and my mother said if you ever fill out those pants, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> oh, oh, classic. Thank you, Ma. Oh, yeah. Um, I like the part where cause the casino was like, there's something going on. Like, are they counting cards? And then in my mind, I just cut to how Dustin Hoffman's face was. <laughs> like, it yeah. just looks like the only thing he's doing is counting cards. Yeah, exactly. But oh. it was three decks. Who can keep track of three decks? That man right there. Look at his face. He exactly. can do it. <laughs> exactly. He is a human computer. Yes. Um, thinking every, like, okay, I have it thinking everybody with different abilities are savants. Right. Um, kidnapping a person who can't express their wishes because you have it and you haven't known them long enough to be able to decipher them. Just... You are not V-E-R-N Vern, V-E-R-N oh, Vern. But just the the chutzpah yeah. to just, I, I don't know this man. He's been in an institution all this time. No problem. I got it because he's yeah, got $3 I can million. Dollars. Yeah, no problem. I'm a, bus- I'm a businessman. Um, I, I think at one point they say there's the R word. It does come yes, off. Yes, it, it is. It is despair, terms. and he puts it in his journal. Um, the Watchmen, which was the portable TV that he got his I brother, know. that had fantastic ba- battery life, apparently, because you know those had the big D cell batteries, and there was no charging of that thing. No, and the the reception. Yeah, in the middle in of the country. The casino, you could get you you could get uh, your TV show. Yeah. No. No. Because no. nah. we had a little, I mean, a bigger one in the big in the van. Yeah. For you guys to and it would cut out in the middle of Pennsylvania. Well, yeah, because we were in the the mountains in Appalachia. But I can tell you, driving across the country, that. Yeah, the radio gets spotty mm-hmm. in places. So, 
uh, that was funny. And then it was just funny how I, I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, that's basically going to be the size of a phone because we're going backwards. Yes. <laughs> We've made it, He's watching this thing on TV, which is like people watch TVs on their phones, but then the phones keep getting bigger and bigger, and then we're just going to end up like this is a watchman that also happens to take phone calls. Um, and the fact that he had a phone in his car yeah. in 1988, that was like you know he's yeah. got a shiny suit that's what yeah. shiny suits do a shiny suit. and then this is my last one um how everyone was carrying their luggage i'm sorry when was the wheel invented i think it's <laughs> hilarious to look at now look at it look how long it took us to yeah. put wheels on luggage it's insane Everyone's just carrying around all of their luggage. If we had wheels on luggage, your grandpa might still be with us. It, well, no, because he had so many heart attacks. <laughs> like, that was just... That was, well, was when just you get in the teens, it's just a time bomb. Yeah, like, come on. It's like, I can only do so much here, but yeah, <laughs> wheels would have been nice. <laughs> wheels would have been nice. Christine, negatives? I already did mine. Oh, I'm sorry. So we're to positives. Mm-hmm. Susanna. I like Susanna. I like that I Su- Susanna I loved was her hair. truly looking out for Raymond. Mm-hmm. I didn't like when Susanna kissed him in the elevator. No reason to do that. No reason to go that far. She thought she was doing him a favor. She did, but uh, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm just saying from her point of view, she was like, "I'm just. I'm doing him a favor. Look, I'm Italian. Her pink pants. I loved her pink pants. I don't even remember her pink pants. Uh, she oh, had them on at the, in the beginning with the leather jacket. Oh, okay. Um, the Cincinnati airport. I yes. actually took a picture of mosaics to send to you guys to see the mosaics that were taken from Union Terminal, the train station in Cincinnati, and moved to the Cincinnati airport, which is actually in Kentucky. But then they were in 2015, there was a renovation. So those mosaics have been moved to different places. Because they in did the- a. No, somewhere else. The airport got renovated, and they moved them to different places. Okay, there's still a couple there. Maybe the last time I flew in, BP before pandemic, there were still a couple. Uh, A convertible. Yeah, and Los Angeles. I miss Los Angeles too. With a convertible. Yeah, it's nice. Christine, my positives, which is also tying into a tasty nugget, I guess. Mm-hmm. Nerd alert! All of them. I love the Ico Ico song. I did some research on that as well. Oh my god, me too. I guess I'll say it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Ico Ico. Uh, I have a playlist that I listen to frequently that's titled New Orleans, mm. and it is on there. Um, Which version of it? I was just know? pulling that up to see which version I have the, on there. Because the most famous is the Dixie Cups. 
but the one yeah, Doctor John is the one that I have on there. Okay, that's also a famous one. But it was originally created by well, so it's a song that tells the tale of a parade. A parade collision. That's the word that I wrote. A parade collision between two tribes of Mardi Gras Indians and the traditional confrontation. And the original title it was Giacomo. It was released in 1953 by James. What? James. Well, I was I was just gonna say like the the thing that I found fascinating about this was um how the Mardi Gras like they would name the Indians, you know they would name it after Indians because um they were Native American first people indigenous people who took in the slaves that ran away into the culture and they're like oh now you're with us and so then i kind of want because remember there's like the story our family how like my grandpa's always like oh we're something native american but then you go you get the test back and it's like no you're not but then when i read that i was like well well, wait a second yeah maybe maybe they got taken in and so that's why in, in new orleans that they they um Named like themselves after different tribes and stuff, and I was like, "Oh snap!" So go ahead, Christine. Oh. Um, so originally released in 1953 by James Sugarboy Crawford and his Cane Cutters, but it failed to make the charts. It then became popular in 1965 by a girl group named the Dixie Cups. But of course, from what I could tell, the version used in the movie was by a group of white girls named the Bell Stars. Of course. Yeah, Um, they're they're like Scottish or something. Yeah. Uh, But it's just such a good song. It is. I had a little bit more. um, There's a New New Orleans poet, Sybil Kine, who said that, because they're always getting it, because Sugar, uh, Sugar Boy Crawford, he said that he would just hear these chantings going on and he didn't know what they meant, but he wrote it down and put it into the song. Um, but the New Orleans poet Sybil Kind said that it's a your Yoruba Creole and that it means uh, God is watching, Giacomo man causes it, and there's something like, well, then what is Giacomo man? But then it kind of is like, well... I think Giacomo was the name of one of the ports in either Haiti or somewhere around there where like the slaves would have come in. So there's some kind of like Mm. question about that. And then it, she says that, or he or she says, uh, we will be emancipated. So there is some sort of like, at least there is a faction of people who think that it is a, like a slavery emancipation song. Um, and then I thought that this was interesting about James Sugarboy Crawford, who wrote the song. He, because he wrote the song and then Dixie Cups covered it, he ended up making a little bit of money from it. And so he was able to buy a nice little fancy car for himself, which didn't really go well for him because he's black. And in 1963, he ended up getting uh, put into a coma by the police because he got beaten. Oh, my so, God. I know it is, it's not all police, but it just sort of feels like it sometimes. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I thought that it was very interesting though because I heard the song too, and it's so '80s. But I instantly knew that it this that the group that was doing it they it just had like a European. Yeah, I had never heard that version before. I only know it as like I feel like it never sounded '80s to me, and it's always just sounded like New Orleans. Yeah, and then I, I yeah, but then hearing that. Hearing and then seeing like this fancy Lamborghini car come off of a ship, and I'm like, I, I had just had this feeling about the Ico song. I'm like, I I feel like that has something to do with like a slave rebellion or revolt, and I just thought it was interesting that that there's this fancy super Italian car coming off over it, and it's, it's one of these songs of like. Did the film producers know the meaning behind the song? Or I don't did they just think, think they it did. sounded think it cool and an of the times? On their because part. I, yeah, it was like, oh, this is interesting how we're at a dock. There's yeah. cargo coming <laughs> off of a ship. Thank yeah. God it's not like people. <laughs> like we've yeah. passed that. Um, but yeah, it, that, it, that, I needed to look it up myself. I was like, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, the only other positive that I had, and I don't even remember really watching this scene. There was a scene with them dancing to Etta James. Well, who was dancing? Yes, it was Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. Okay, and and, yes, and I dance. just wrote down, LOL, that was totally Adam trying and me trying to learn our wedding dance. Oh, yeah, you said that you were Raymond dancing. Yeah, I'm that Raymond. Me too. It's all about the rhythm. I ain't got none. And he's just watching the feet and he's like, now look up at me. <laughs> Those are my positives. Aaron, did you have positives? I did. Did you do your positives yet? I did. Oh, okay. My positives. I thought the casting was really good because I did believe Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise to be brothers. And I would not have if you just put the uh, that their names on a piece of paper in front of me. But seeing their noses it, were similar. Uh huh. I was like, oh, I. There were twenty five years difference between them, but yes. Let's just not look at that part. Which does, I'll get into that later. But I do have a question about that. Um, I said that I like the it improves the public perception of people with different abilities. Uh -huh. You know, um, the wind farm. Uh huh. I was like, look at that. It looks cool. Nice. 1988. Our main guy was already talking about, hey, we, we got to eat it together. Um, I like when he passed gas in the telephone booth and then he said, I don't mind it. <laughs> I mean, that's so sibling right there. Like, yeah. Can you get more sibling? Like, that's, geez. True. that's true. Um, The Flamingo hotel like all of vegas but specifically mm -hmm. when they passed the flamingo i was just like oh i thought it i did too i thought adam and teeny stay there oh yeah and my final good readable is and i don't know if people caught this but raymond's backpack is totally in style right now i couldn't believe that that what was, was it? his backpack it was, it was like one of those, it looked like something that you would see in a store that somebody works at. I mean, like. <laughs> oh, I see. The UO? The, it, it seemed very, very modern to me. Oh. And I thought it was funny because it's got to be 
that it, it's very simple, but I'm like, I've seen Is it the one Tom Cruise is carrying in the movie poster? Uh, yes. Now that looks like a gym backpack. Like, I'm going to take that to the gym. You but can no. maybe bike with it. Yeah, I well, I don't know. I'm not looking at the poster right now, but it's it's his backpack that he always has, and he has it, and it's very modern. It's a very people have that backpack right now, and I ah. was mm-hmm. and just the color of it, everything. I didn't. I noticed that there was a backpack. I didn't go into the. Specifics. I noticed it specifically at the end. I think when they were either packing for him to, you know, be on his way, or. But I do remember thinking, like, my God, that is a modern backpack. <laughs> so we're to quotables. Kmart sucks. <laughs> uh, Kmart does suck. Are there even any left? We'll go Kmart. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Like Walmart, I can get down with. Kmart, it's just like never like a pleasant experience. Yeah. I had pleasant experiences at Kmart in Cincinnati when I was a kid. Oh, maybe Cincinnati has a good Kmart. It at the time it was clean and it, it was Yeah, um, I guess that's what it is. I don't remember Kmart's being bad when I was a kid. Like we always went to Kmart. Exactly. Yeah. But I just remember like like probably like 10 years ago or something going into a Kmart being like, oh, wow. Like I didn't know that any were still around and like, mm-hmm. yeah, I went into one after Walmart came out and, um, it was the, the staff there were not at all friendly uh, and it was dirty and it was not our go-go Kmart from early eighties. Yeah. Um, how does that feel? Very slippery. That is so perfect. That <laughs> yeah. is just so good. Because, yeah, sunscreen does feel very slippery. <laughs> and, of course, Susanna telling Tom Cruise, you use everyone. Those are mine. I didn't write any quotables down. Okay. All right. I have some. I have, can you include me in some of your thoughts? Yes. Uh-huh. The doctor saying, I took this bird out of loyalty to your father. And I was mm-hmm. like, what burden? You have control of $3 million. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I don't who's know. who's checking your records? Yeah, exactly. Nobody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you read the telephone book last night? And <laughs> when he got up to G? Oh, <laughs> yeah. And the, and the G he got up to was the name of his real-life in-laws. Oh, oh, Barry Levinson's or the writers? I think I. Wow, I don't know. I thought it was Dustin Hoffman's, but oh. it was somebody's real life in laws. Okay. Um, there's four left in the box, which is great. Yeah. And uh, here we go. I get my boxer shorts from Kmart in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do totally feel. Only, like, I went bra shopping yesterday. It's probably too much information. My favorite bra that I wear, it's from Victoria's Secret. And I buy bras so infrequently that the next time I'm ready to buy one, the model that I love is gone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I got this one right before we got married. As I'm getting married, I should probably have a new bra. <laughs> Support the girls. Yeah. Um... And it's got like, 
it's like a nude color, but then it's but it's not. It's black. Looking at it, it's black, but the cups are like nude, and it's got like a mesh overlay that's black over top. Mm-hmm. Just like every day, it's not sexy time. It's just like, but the mesh in both of the boobs, the has cups, ripped, has ripped oh. badly. And so, like, the under, I don't know. And so I knew it was time when Adam was like, you've got to get a new bra. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that is time. Yeah, yeah this guy. He, <laughs> Mr. You should have seen the T-shirt. He wore all his, like, 18 years Ninja Turtles T-shirt that at the end was just, it was the neck collar with just the whole shirt being held on by one strand. Shredded. It was shredded. Well, that was my bra. So... <laughs> But they've closed the Victoria's Secret near my work. What? And you cannot order a bra online. I cannot order a bra online, like a cup bra. No, you can't do that. So I went yesterday. I was like, I'm just going to go bra shop. I went to Aerie. And, like, I bought a bra. But it's just not the same. Like, I just want my old bra, you know? So I totally feel him on the underwear at Kmart thing. I haven't I haven't put on a bra since last since Christine June. told you to yeah. stop yeah to yeah, stop wearing an underwire. Like, wait, why am I why am I still putting on an underwire to sit here at home and I've just been in the Allbirds bralette. I don't know I don't think that these girls are going back. I <laughs> I think the world has to come to them now. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly uh these girls need a home. I mean, I have my sports bras for when I need to to go go out and about. But I I looked at my bra like uh yesterday and was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go back to you. That's gonna happen with a lot of things. Okay, so we are to LVP. My LVP is simplifying autism, like saying this is autism whereas it's a huge spectrum but it's also it sucks because it's also like from the producers movie like we're making a movie like we can't how we're we're only making a two-hour movie how are we supposed to yeah well my mvp is humanizing autism yeah so it's it's two sides of the spectrum yeah like both things can be true yes yes uh, we're on LVP though, right? Yes. My LVP. Uh, my LVP is. Uh, I'm gonna reference that podcast again that I listened to uh, with Eric Garcia and the co-host. I think her name is Sarah Marshall. She was saying, like, they were talking about like when you have an autistic child. Um, well, they brought up an example of, like, this man, like, they had a child who was deaf. It was unexpected, and they had sent out a, um, like, a notice that they had a baby, like, a baby, a baby announcement that they were going to have a baby to all their friends and family that was, like, Harvard 2024 graduate, something, oh, something this, oh, something, oh. something that. And so then he was, like, when we had the baby, it was, like, we had to mourn the death of a child. But it's, like... No, you didn't, because that child was never there. Yeah. Like, they were talking about, like, Eric Garcia was talking about how many times he's heard, like, t- talk to parents who were like, you know, I'm just, 
I'm never going to be hugged the way I want to be hugged. Like my child's never going to hug me and never going to tell me they love me and this or the other. And they were like, okay, well, that's your fault that that's the way that you experience love and you need exactly. to protect it. Like, exactly. This idea that like it's supposed to be being a parent and having a child is supposed to be this only this one, if it's not this Cookie one cutter. kind of child, you're in, you know, it's something negative. And mm-hmm. I do feel like, the internet is kind of changing that a little bit with like TikTok and um, I don't know that there's a, a account that I follow on TikTok and it's a, this girl, she seems to be in her twenties or thirties. And I think her name's Taco Bell queen. And she has an, like a brother that's somewhere, an autistic brother. And they're based in Virginia in Richmond, I think. Um, and it's great. I mean, it's like, I feel like they're just, she just, they do all these things together and it's like, they're, it gets celebrated instead of being something like our exactly. life is so hard and like, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, look at what happened with this. Like this is in Cincinnati. Use Babbitt. I'm going to take a wild guess and just stab at it and put the Babbitt in the wasp category. And as soon as, you know, the mother was out of the picture, dies tragically, it's this guy, the father, and he's got an autistic son in those, what, 1965, and Mm -hmm. the first sign of trouble, he's just like, lock him up. And I kind of feel like that's a lot what people of those, if you had the means and your kid wasn't what was to be expected... Yeah, and it was like you were parents were told like take down photographs of them, put away the photographs, like lock them up, like put it, take them here, and like just Mm -hmm. don't. So, and and yeah, there, yeah, there are going to be more challenges, sure. Um, but like it, the idea that it has to be like, oh, my child has was born with this, like now we have to grieve the normal child that never was like right and back then i mean 88 they were putting them in institutions rather than keeping them home i mean yeah down syndrome kids were in institutions there there's no reason for that yeah but okay. but but then you look at the other problems like within society that you have in it and it it's all connected because it's all a group of people who got together and said that this is how it is. And this is what is normal. This yeah. is what this is. These are your expectations. And anything if you want doesn't to, if, meet them, if you, mm-hmm. then you're other and you can't be up here with us. Exactly. Get down below. Get down. Get, get down there below. And especially if you look like you're different. And that could be, we all know that that's skin color, but it could also be with mannerisms and not yes. making eye contact and having like a, a shuffle sh- a or like walk. Down syndrome, right. you know, right. like anything that like, oh, nope, you're not one of us. So get to step in. Mm-hmm. That does, it doesn't help anybody. And as the, the faster that we can get our heads around it, the better we'll be. Uh, everybody. So, Erin, your LVP? My LVP is toxic masculinity. Oh, Oh, once again. Once again, because it was going to be Charlie's father. But, look, Charlie shouldn't have taken the car when he was 16. But he was 16. 
And he was he 16. Did. But then his dad should have clearly stated to Charlie that he that he was loved. Like Charlie shouldn't have had to doubt it. Yeah, and, that wasn't on Charlie to you know, re- like, to repair that relationship. Right. Exactly. And somebody's the, the adult here. And then the father's is um, you know, so then Charlie was like, Oh, I'm peace out, I'm out at 16. And then you we learn later in the film that Charlie's dad did reach out to him a couple of times, but Charlie never got in contact. But then Charlie's dad, why didn't Charlie's dad at some point like the whole fact that Charlie didn't know that he had a brother yes. that he still knew? And I could see not that I um, it's like I could understand where this is coming from. Not that I think that it, it's right or wrong or whatever, but Charlie's like they were full on, like Char, they were full on siblings, like they had the same mother and father. Which isn't mm-hmm. to say like that if you're you have different mothers and fathers that you're less of a sibling or in any way. But I just felt in 1960, I like how could you keep. Well, and if he really was visiting him every weekend, like he didn't. Yeah. Like he didn't know. He didn't know where he was going and kept it a secret. And so then you're like, all right, fine. Kick that can down. Kick it down. When he's trying to rebuild the relationship on the third call, if you're the father, why wouldn't you say, oh, yeah, by the way, you have a brother and then hang up the phone and then. Guarantee if you got like if something happened, ma, and I was like, ah, I'm not I'm not talking to you. And then you you leave messages, oh, I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you. And then on the third message, you're like, oh, by the way, you have an older sister. Click. I'm going to call you back on that information. That little tidbit of the bombshell that you drop. He had the ultimate bombshell. He didn't drop it. When he when Charlie took the the car from him he kept him in jail for two days two days yeah like, and all I, of his buddies the the parents came and bailed him out right away yeah i'm like i think that's a bit harsh but i i'm like okay he's you know 1965 all right you know let him learn his lesson get get a little bit of you can't do that but two days is a bit excess like you're just a dick then and i it it just seems like then dicks bit, beget dicks. That's what I'm saying. Dicks beget dicks. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. And you know what? As I'm saying all of this, kind of makes me wonder if Charlie's father wasn't somewhere on the spectrum. The rose bushes in the car, and nobody yeah. could touch the car oh, yeah. and his rose it, bushes. It, and it is and, hereditary. And he made all of that kind of money. Uh-huh. And, I'm sure and the fact are- that he was like, by the way, this doesn't have to do with him being on the spectrum, just being a dick. He could have just been like, sorry, nothing left for you in the estate. You yeah. get my rose bushes. But he was like, also, there's $3 million that you're not getting. Right. And it's going here. <laughs> like, it, was, it was a total rub it in more. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't even in the will even say like, oh, and it's by the way, it's going to your brother. That, no. I, that I sent away because I couldn't deal with him. And I thought that he had tried to kill you, but actually he had not. But he couldn't put into words what had happened. And so I just blamed him and I couldn't, I, whatever. I, oh, man. Okay, MVPs, I've already said mine. Humanizing autism. 
Mine was at first going to be who's on first, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was that Vegas suite. Yes, I thought it so was so good. Oh my God. It was so good. Man. That was comped. Yeah. yeah. So get, get on that, that bed. Oh my God. Mm hmm. To get on that, Christine. Yeah. Stop using your powers. Start counting those cards. My MVP is. I gotta go. I gotta go with Susanna. I loved how she was calling out at the beginning all the red flags. She's like, let me in. Why don't you have any emotion about you having a brother? And then my the thing that solidified her as an MVP, even though I had to kind of like, I almost didn't because of what happens after. But she's in a hotel room in a nice bath, having a nice bath. And at that point, she gets so fed up with his bullshit that she gets out of the bath and leaves him. I was like, yes, girl, do it. Like you Put your clothes on without even drying herself off. Exactly. Do you know how fed up with somebody that you have to be to be in a nice bath? Especially yes, yeah. a nice bath like it's in that. True. Like that was a nice look. Go back and look at that bathtub. That was a nice bath That's that true. woman was having. And, and she followed through with it. She didn't just, it wasn't just, I'm putting my clothes on. Okay, I'll come back. No, it was, I'm out the door. I'm out the door for a while. Yep. And she leaves. But then, then she did come back and I was very disappointed because I was like, girl, you left in the middle of your bath. What an awesome gangster exit. Uh But then she did make out with his brother in the elevator. So yeah, that's a good fuck you back to him. Exactly. Now you're back in the MVP catalog. I I really hope that she didn't end up marrying him unless he, he genuinely changed from his experience, which can happen. People can change. She saw it, though. She saw a change in him. I don't... Uh, be, uh, he taught him to dance. Oh, when yeah. When Tom Cruise taught Dustin Hoffman to dance, then she saw, oh, wow, okay, so he is softening a bit. Yeah, but be careful, girl. Be careful. Because as, yeah. a, as a Washington football team uh, fan, you know, they do just enough to keep you back, to, to keep you there. Like, like be careful. Oh, they've changed. They have Ron Rivera. Oh, but yeah. caution. Don't walk down the aisle. Don't commit to anything just yet. Once somebody shows you their true colors, believe it. Believe them. Okay, we're to recasting. And the whole reason that I picked this movie was to see Dustin Hoffman in this role of an autistic person. Uh, Long way to say I didn't recast. Because I have a real hard time with people portraying people with differences. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, he nailed it for me. He was, I thought that he was really good because, well, I think also because of how many, like, because of the movies that we've already done and that it really, like, you think about him in The Graduate, you think about him in Midnight Cowboy, in Ishtar, it's just, it was just very remarkable. The thing that got me was that even though he's Dustin Hoffman, I was like, no, that's Raymond. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, he was he was really good. He was really good. I think that it's unfair because he does this and then you know that actors are watching it and to um kind of 
equated in a sports terms, it's kind of like, well, he's out here balling like a Michael Jordan. Uh-huh. And then you have the young up and coming people that are acting and they're like, well, I got to show that I can play somebody with this, this, uh, with a different abilities. Exactly. And then it gets into that because I did wonder, cause Pauline Kale wrote a scathing review about this film that you can read. And one of her questions was why didn't they cast somebody with autism in the with role? True, right. But then that also gets into the the business of Hollywood, which we we keep right. bumping our head up against because this movie did it does have Dustin Hoffman, who was a star in 1988, and Tom Cruise, who was a star in 1988, and it makes the most amount of money. And the answer to every yes. question is money. It's the money. And so that's because a person who and I don't I don't know enough about this, but it would. I don't like a person. I I would like to it to get to a point where somebody with you know what honestly though we have seen people with autism on the screen mm-hmm. on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. but they just haven't said it because actors are <laughs> different. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're not gonna tell me. But in order, but I the way that he was in it, like his level of autism, mm-hmm. somebody who has that isn't going that there aren't a lot of parts for that person to play. You know what I mean? Within the time frame, the time constraints, because you would have to allow them to, to be able to say, I, I can't do that right now. Uh, I'm not, you know, like this. But, okay. There's just so much that would go into it. And at the end of the day, like Hollywood is a business. It's a money-making machine. Yeah. Okay. So Dustin Hoffman studied, um, spent time with people with uh, people on the autism spectrum. And he studied savants in depth and got to know them. Well, he did not mimic or imitate those people. What he did was studied them, used his knowledge about them to teach him, what would I be like if I were on the autism spectrum? Instead Mm -hmm. of mimicking, that's the difference. He wasn't mimicking someone with autism. He was internalizing it and saying, with my personality, how would that manifest? And it, it still, it rang true to me after working with kids with autism. Now he was, um, a combination of a bunch of autism behaviors, but, um, and like, uh, when he would throw a tantrum, he was able to calm down really fast. Yeah. I, ha- I haven't found that with, with my autistic kids that it takes longer than that to calm them down. But, um, the repetitive, you know, just getting a, a word stuck in your head or a phrase stuck in your head or a license plate where you're talking and then you just say the, the numbers on the license plate and then go on. He, it was authentic to me. I really, so I did not do a recasting because I don't know who could do that to that authentic authenticity that I require. Well, I get that and I respect that. I did a recasting, which um, I had Charlie as 
John David Washington. Mm-hmm. And then as Ray, I have Jamie Foxx. But the movie's only 48 minutes because at the 48-minute mark, Raymond gets killed by the police. So... Oh, God! <laughs> yeah! That's... Yeah, there you go. That's my reason. And there you have it. Mm-hmm. And that's called reality. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, Do, I'm how about just going to... Just make it so that it doesn't seem that way to me. That's all I ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to assume... That Christine did not do a recap. How did you know? <laughs> I sometimes things come to me. So we are two tasty nuggets. Yes, I've got some. I've got I've some. I okay. did all my, I already talked about all mine. Okay. So three weeks into the shooting of this movie, Dustin Hoffman wanted out. He's like, you, he said, go get Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> yeah, he said anybody, but I because I'm not. That's Tom Cruise, probably. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he just felt like he wasn't. He wasn't doing that. Like, that it was awful. That he was not doing. Uh, that he wasn't doing. That it was the worst work of his life. He oh, was yeah. just. Dumb. And the fact that he was trepidatious about it. Like, there's a respect to that. Exactly. Exactly. Saying, uh, yeah, I don't want to be thought, a cliche. Nobody thought about it. Like, he yeah. wanted mm-hmm. to make sure he was doing it right. Exactly. So, his inspiration was Kim Peek, mm-hmm. who's 20 years old. And Kim is a male. It's Lawrence Kim Peek. Um, he was impressing people with his incredible memory. But oh, that made me so uncomfortable. He, he was a, a me- like what was considered a, a mega savant. Um, he this was what baffled me. So with Kim Peek, because the whole thing is that Barry Morrow, um, he was inspired by Kim Peek and Bill Sachter. And Kim right. Morrow wrote and became friends with Bill Sachter and that movie Bill, which was I think it was a TV movie. It was written about Bill. Uh, this Bill character and then there was also a documentary and then he met Kim Peek and he was um, intrigued by him and so Kim Peek he each eye could read a different page in the book at the same time oh my god I wish I could do that it made me think of you Christine Uh, maybe you actually do it and don't realize it yeah because I guess I mentioned earlier. I said I don't retain it. If you ask me what any book I read last year was about, I couldn't tell you after the week I put it down. But but once people talk about it a little bit, you remember a little bit. Yeah. Just the somebody who has reading problems and you know, like just each eye just goes down. Like yeah, I can just do it, and you'd be like, "What did you read?" I'm like, "Uh, I can name one word that came out, like a name." But I can't tell you what happened. It's probably I, the wrong name. Yeah, just to, and then he just retained it, and he could completely retain it. But he couldn't, um, like he didn't learn. He couldn't walk until he was four, like four years old. He couldn't button a shirt. So that's what they, you know, especially the before period of time when they were saying like with the disabilities that you can't button a shirt and you couldn't walk till four you were just like oh that's and they would have horrible names to call you yes. but then this guy his brain 
the way that I, and there's a whole bunch of medical stuff that you can Google about and, and they, they have theories on his brain and how his brain made certain connections and stuff. And that's why each eye could go down a page at the same time and retain all that information. It, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the human brain. And yeah. it, you're just like, everybody's wow. brains are different. And how dare people say then he is back in the terminology of the day. He's mentally retarded because he is not able to, to do those things. No. Okay. So he can't button a shirt, but he can read things with both eyes. Don't tell me that he has a, a deficit. We, uh, you're, yeah. you're wanting him to button a shirt and he's going, I'm, I'm beyond so far that. beyond that. I, that's not, that's yeah. not something yeah. I need to concentrate on. Oh. But also, um, Kim Peek would be on, on Oprah and well and- because this movie came out and when the movie came out then um, he started he, the, people had an interest in him and stuff and so then he they were appearances and stuff and but it's like making him a carny uh, somebody know, in the carnival but then but what's the answer to every question it's money money and does did Kim Peek have uh, nine to five that he was able to support himself with doing, you know, it's not because he's on a whole different level than we are. Exactly, and so, but we don't have a universal base income, so that yeah. ain't paying his bills. It's true. Yeah. So, but when the when the Academy Awards came out and Barry Morrow won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, you know, because Kim, there was interest in him, and Kim Peek had to go out and do things. And he was, you know, introverted and, and shy. And to give him confidence, Barry Morrow gave Kim Peek his Oscar and was like, here, take this around to your appearances Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. then that acted like an icebreaker and people got to hold an Academy award and, and it gave him confidence and stuff. And so, um, Kim Peek died in 2009 and bear and Morrow then, he oh he gave the Oscar on permanent loan to Salt Lake City to there's a Salt Lake City memorial for Kim Peek and they also put money for the Peek Award which pays tribute to artists media makers film subjects and film subjects who are positively impacting our society's perceptions of people with disabilities and it's given out by the Utah Film Center hmm. so that's where that. You know, okay. it, it sucks because it's that thing of like, yeah, mm. the trotting him around is this carny show, but he needs to make money. Like, this is yeah. actually a way for him to make money and to support himself and, and his family and stuff. Okay. Dustin Hoffman was originally supposed to be Charlie, but oh. he. Maybe we would have liked Charlie then. He saw Leslie Lebke, who uh, was blind, had cerebral palsy, and they said at the time was mentally handicapped, but was able to play a full concerto on the piano just by ear. And when Dustin Hoffman saw that, something clicked in him that said, I want to play a character where I represent that person appropriately. So he wanted to be Raymond. I heard that it was sent to Bill Murray for Bill Murray to be Raymond and Dustin Hoffman to be Charlie. I did not know that. I, okay, not, okay. Um, 
Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise said when they were filming, this is going to be two schmucks in a car because they didn't <laughs> think anybody was going to actually watch it. Okay, people who turned down the role of Raymond. Jack Nicholson. I can oh. see that. I can it would have been that. an intense. That would have been a It would have been an intense. <laughs> if you've ever seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. That's another one we have to do. Uh, Robert De Niro turned down the role. Huh. And Mel Gibson? God, thank God he did. Yeah. Um. Wait, I had somebody else. People considered uh, uh, for the role of Charlie, wait, Tom Hanks. Before we get into the people considered for Charlie, Charlie is just a dick and a piece of shit character. But also Tom Cruise is really, like, that's his bread and butter is playing dicks. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, Michael Caine, Sir Michael Caine. Said, yeah, the uh, the role of Raymond was the the bread and butter was the, the Academy flash. Award, yeah. But playing Charlie and being able to portray what Charlie went through, trying to figure out how to how to deal with Raymond, and then how to help Raymond, and then how to humanize Raymond, he said that was the role of the century. Yeah. Also because he like Charlie does all of that, but also he's got this eighty thousand dollar debt that's over his yeah. head, and so it does. That's one of the reheatables that's happening now is that people are like, "Well, wait, was Tom Cruise actually the better performance in uh -huh. it? It's just he's so unlikable in it because he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be uh -huh. doing. Like if he's nice." And a nice guy in this, if he's John Krasinski, office guy. Or Tom Hanks. Yeah. yeah, in this, it's just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And Michael Caine had a similar situation where he had a brother he didn't know about. Oh. Or a sibling he didn't know about. And so he, he, could, he could actually look at that character and go, I know exactly what that character is going through. Oh. Yeah, plus this, like... Plus, he is a hot shot. He came from privilege. He's into this world in the 80s. He's a young white guy in the 80s. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. There is no... The, he, the world is catered to him. That's true. <laughs> what is this? What, is, what are these obstacles? I'm supposed to be out here in LA with my shiny suits just making money hand over fist. Uh, Dustin, originally the, the character Raymond was supposed to be someone uh, who was mentally different, but uh, um, Dustin Hoffman really pushed for him to be on the autism spectrum. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought so too. Um, Dustin Hoffman spent a year with autistic men and their families. The script was originally written for... Randy Quaid and Dennis Quaid. Oh, oh. Wait, who's which is is Dennis Quaid playing? I'm going with Dennis Quaid being Charlie. And yeah, Randy he was Quaid being there. Raymond. Interesting. Yeah. Um Okay, last week I misspoke. I said that this was filmed at Longview. Institution, asylum, 
Uh, it was actually filmed at St. Anne's Convent in Melbourne, Kentucky. Oh. Oh. So wow. that long walk. You totally uh, lied about that. I did, but How I remember. And so I did a lot of research trying to find out the extras in at, at Walbrook. Oh, yeah where they mm -hmm. came from mm -hmm. and the only information I could find was they were mentioned by name and actor. Oh, was nice. I, yeah, I, I did like that. They did use like, you know, they didn't have like neurotypical exactly actors playing those roles. Mm -hmm. And that made me cry because they weren't listed as inmate in Longview. They were listed <laughs> yeah. as patient. Or like patient. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, at the casino, Christine, the dealer shorts the chips by $100. Oh. Did you pick that up? To show that it was a dirty casino. And then at the roulette wheel, when it didn't land on 20 because Raymond's not going to be wrong. It showed it was a dirty casino. You're welcome. Wait. So Wait, how did that happen? You're saying that it was going to be 20, but then it, they, they moved it, and that shows that it was dirty? Yeah. He, he shorted the table $100 chips, and then that, because Raymond wouldn't have been wrong about the numbers, the next number would have been 20, but... The roulette wheel was rigged. Oh, wait, uh, so why why would Raymond have known that it was going to be twenty? That's a roulette wheel. That's not counting yeah. cards. It's not counting cards, but it's counting. But it's probability. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. What's going to come up next is going to be twenty because last time it was fifteen red, and before that it was two black, and and so probability says it's going to be twenty. Yeah. Okay. But, but probability. Well, it's interesting. Like probability can be wrong. That's why it's probability. But not not when you are an autistic savant. Okay. Tom Cruise was paid three million dollars for the part, which is six million dollars in today's money. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. And I said Tom Hanks and Robin Williams were considered for the part. I uh, think Robin Williams could have done a good job. Yeah, I think but he, he wouldn't. I think that he, because I, in one of my recasts, I, I believe about, he was on the spectrum. Yeah, and I thought yeah. about how also, um, I think Tiffany Haddish could have been awesome, but there, then that gets into the thing of like who would be awesome and how would we look at it. Mm -hmm. Like Robin Williams probably would have been awesome, but would we have right. like would we have allowed him to be awesome in it? Right. Or would we have put all our baggage on it and be like, right. oh, he was too over the top. And, right. And, exactly. Well, he didn't represent me, so he's bad, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. Exactly. Okay, Aaron, your tasty nuggets. I have that do uh, Barry Levinson played the doctor in L.A. He did. I knew that right away. Uh -huh. I saw him. I was like, that's Barry Levinson. Um, I have that it was filmed during the 1988 Writers Guild strike. Uh -huh. So right before the strike happened, a rough cut of the script was sent. Because, you know, the, you write the script and then they just, they're all the rewrites and stuff. And then they, they make, then they green light the movie. Then they're still doing the rewrites. Like everything is a rewrite, even up until, and they mentioned it the last scene when he's getting on a train. And sometimes 
you know, writer, how, writers in Hollywood, unless you get to finagle that into becoming a creator, like a Ryan Murphy kind of person, uh, Barry Jenkins kind of person, where you have clout if you're a writer in LA, they don't really, they, they tolerate you on the set in case they need a line. Like you're not really, you're pretty much looked down upon. Nobody really, the, the great way I heard Neil Brennan say this, and I thought it was great. If you had the cast of Friends, and they were told, like, the cast of Friends is downstairs. Everybody's running downstairs. But if they're like, the writers of Friends is downstairs, yeah. nobody's running downstairs. Yeah. Um, so that 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 so the writers weren't on the set to offer any lines, and that especially in the last scene, they weren't writers on set, and it was just very rough. And so people kind of the things that we have qualms with of like, well, how uneven the film is and stuff. It, it's, that's kind of like, oh, well, it's because it was the writer's strike and the writers weren't there. But it's like, you don't listen to the writers when they're on the set anyway. So, okay. Um, oh, I like this one. So in June, 1989, 15 major airlines showed an edited version yes. of the film yes. where they cut out the scene where Raymond has his meltdown in the Cincinnati airport. Oh, yes. <laughs> because. Oh my God. That's what? so smart though. It yeah. Kind of You're flying sense. American airlines. You don't want that line. In yeah. <laughs> Why? Qantas kept that shit in. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Because he was like, no, except for Qantas. And Qantas was like, no, we're running your whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> problem, man. I still want to fly Qantas. Uh-huh. Yeah, those are my tasty nuggets. Okay, well, that is, and I believe we went into a lot of a lot of stuff with Rain Man. I it's on it's on so many it's on Amazon Prime it's on Netflix. I think it's a great rewatch of. of of just the, the time capsule and, and it's a, it makes you think about like other people and putting yourself in other people's positions. It's also not... the eighties fashion. That was kind of nice. Eighties fashion. It I mean, it was, it was such an eighties movie. It was in so eighties. So no, uh, I didn't I... like it, but that's okay. I still think there were good parts. I'm glad it was made. I think it's important that it was made. And I do think Dennis Hoffman did a good job there. And there you go, because even if you, even if it's not one of your favorite movies, if you just watch it for the other point of view, yeah, that's like, a nice this idea. Is a movie that a lot of people know, and sometimes you you don't have to agree with everything that anybody says, like, but you can just at least hear and know and have this cultural reference point to be like, oh, this is how we we treated things. This is how we do things. Mm-hmm. So next week, I believe it's Miss Erin. No. I thought it was me. Oh, yeah. shit. It's Miss Christine. I apologize. with <laughs> me. Okay. Well, okay. I thought we were going to be doing Paris oh, is Burning. Oh, I Because next week is going into June. Um, But... I didn't want to skip over May is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Agreed. Um, to pay tribute to the generations of Asian and Pacific Islanders who have enriched America's history and are instrumental to its success. So I wanted to make sure we didn't skip over that. Um, so I chose a 
film that I've never heard of with a director I didn't know about. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> um, okay. Well, what year are you going to This debuted at the 2018 San Francisco International Asian American Film Festival. Oh, wow. The... On the movie poster, it says, when people say they want apologies, they don't want apologies. They want blood. <gasps> oh, wow. It is a crime drama. Ooh. The director is a Filipino-American director from San Francisco by the name of H.P. Mendoza. Ooh. Um. He, on his website, uh, he's been mentioned in BuzzFeed's 28 Asian American filmmakers you need to know about, as well as 42 queer filmmakers everyone should know about. So we're tying into June. Wow. Look at you. This is why we have her on the podcast, people. And the movie is called Bitter Melon. Bitter Melon. Bitter Melon. It looks like you can watch it on Prime. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. On Prime? It? Yeah, it looks like it's available on Amazon Prime. Um, but uh, the synopsis seems to be when there's um, domestic violence happening and some other people in the family decide to kill him. The guy who's abusing so and this seems that that's like the synopsis i'm not giving anything away okay 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 oh nice uh bit of a newer movie but we've been in the 80s for a little bit yes we have i i agree i agree we like took a, a step back to the 30s and then yeah yeah but that's how eclectic we are 30s 80s 2018 Welcome to Gone with the Bushes. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rain Man. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Did you spill?